the reflection arose that since all of us are involved in either offering some of the things that uh, are associated with the relational Dhamma, insight dialogue, meta programs, and even those of us who aren't offering it are making decisions related to it, supporting the community, doing things that uh, make it all possible. So that means that there's this large group of us that's um, affecting, guiding, forming the tone, supporting, or perhaps on, on bad days, if you will, not supporting the uh, basis and compassion and care if we get if we have a bad day and we act in ways that maybe are harmful, and also that more challenging piece of uh, how do we make decisions that come from the wisdom base uh, that really reflect in a, in a deep way our um, not only our values, but the whole uh, intention, the whole guiding purpose of what we're trying to do. And so it was requested that, um, or thought to be a good idea, that, that maybe I would offer some teachings that reflect my current obsession anyway, which is exactly how do we uh, identify sustain, share, and act from the guiding principles, core values, um, essential teachings that uh, inspire us to begin with. How do we keep that in mind? And part of it is a legacy question, meaning, you know, at some point, I don't know who the youngest is among us on this particular in this particular meeting, but at some point within, let's say, 30, 40 years, most of us will be dead. And if we assume that there's something here that's worth carrying forward beyond, um, you know, this particular group of people, that there's a viewpoint, a practice, um, some perspective that has genuine ongoing value. Uh, what's to help sustain the right or wise or wholesome direction of those practices and values? And what's particular, particularly obsessed to me is how to state that so simply that one easily recalls it and it can kind of go inside us, touch and resonate with what we deeply know our decisions. Not so much something we have to think about a lot, not something where we have to do some elaborate ritual or have some um, really hard to arrange meeting where we check it out with each other, but something that just goes in and kind of... Uh, saturates, suffuses us. And um, so this is the first of uh, 
what might be a series of teachings on that. And these, this first series is uh, six teachings on Paticca Samapada or dependent origination. But in all cases, there's zero intention to provide a Dhamma lesson. This has nothing to do with let's use the brain to understand, you know, the cognitive faculties, the intellect, to understand the Dhamma so we can go off and think about it, which is a completely noble thing to do. But that's not what this is about. This is really about connecting as we speak, as we investigate, as we, as we enter into dialogue, connecting these teachings with... Uh, the purpose and direction that we share together in, you know, in this um, thing we're calling the insight dialogue community or the community of uh, relational Dhamma. So I'll begin this with uh, a teaching from the Buddha that I believe really brilliantly encapsulates this um, this direction as for the qualities of which you may know these qualities lead to dispassion not to passion to being unfettered not to being fettered to shedding not to accumulating to modesty not to self-aggrandizement, to contentment, not to discontent, to seclusion, not to entanglement, to aroused persistence, not to laziness, to being unburdensome, not to being burdensome. You may categorically hold this is the Dhamma. This is the Vinaya. This is the teacher's instruction. So, with that in mind, our uh, orientation as I begin this, um, you know, talking about and exploring with you, Paticca Samapada, let's check that out. Let's see if learning this, hearing this, reflecting on this makes that kind of uh, difference for us. So generally speaking, um, Dependent origination, Paticca Samapada, is a uh, a way of looking at, of parsing out the constantly changing body mind and the forward momentum that pushes forward towards becoming a self and finding oneself, this self, born in a world, each moment where 
if I can just summarize and say, it's like this. You know, one would say, okay, a suffering, the origin of suffering, the origin of self and suffering, and the thread or the, the uh, course of um, body-mind um, events and unfoldings that lead to it being like this. And if we think of this from the standpoint of what we know about just the um, vibrating impermanence of physical matter, of brain, of mind, of body systems and hormones, if we take it from a physical standpoint, it, it can be helpful to just have this place of recognition that there is nothing stable. We know that for a fact. And that our sense of stability must therefore, must be something that is fabricated. And we fabricate it, one might suggest, because we can't bear to rest in the shimmering, impermanent, incredibly unstable nature of how things actually are. So we're constantly freezing the world. And then we find when we freeze the world and become a self, it's like this with all the self trying to get oriented in this stream of impermanence. And the way the form that this takes in dependent origination is when this exists, this also will come to be. This is the, the basis or the origin of this. And, and then that, that's the kind of the course by which it leads to the full elaboration of birth and death and so on. So that's the origin of suffering. But if we just take it in the reverse direction, classic Buddhism, when this does not exist, this doesn't come to be. When there's no contact, there's no feeling, for example. When there's no feeling, there's no craving. So you look at it backwards, and there's this, uh, you might say, uh, pathway to the cessation. So that's all very nice logic. But what does this mean to us in experience? And what does that experience mean to how this is accessible to us as a guide, as we do what we do at Meta, as we teach, as we share with others, as we reflect. And I'd like to begin today with the first three of these 12 uh, nidanas or links, these 12 links of dependent origination. And um, in the same sense that you have in the Bible, in the beginning, there was void. <laughs> the Buddhist language for that is avijja, ignorance. So our starting point is ignorance, but what I want to touch, I don't want to just say, oh, we know what ignorance is. We need to feel 
to ignorance. We need to touch, to be confronted by the avijja, avijja, not knowing. If we, for example, and we might even go right into a dialogue on this, if we reflect on our lives, how often are we really knowing that we're weaving together solidity out of impermanence? How often are we actually knowing and acting from a clear sense of the fabricated nature of myself in this experience and that all my desires are built around fabrications that have gathered, accumulated through the course of a lifetime. How often are we actually knowing that? And I I do think that that's a good place for starting with a dialogue. So in just a moment, I'm going to ask Lucy to randomly divide us into groups of two. So I'll offer the contemplation now, and then we'll take 10 minutes in our pairs. And for sure, the guideline that's going to support you most in this is pause, and I'll explain why. The ongoing momentum of the body-mind, this kind of tumbling forward, I'd call it a push or a pull, but that sounds like someone is pushing or pulling. It's really more like a, uh, um, a, a stream headed downhill. It's just happening that way because that's where the forces of the physics of the mind go. And that unconscious tumbling forward, we tumble forward simply because we've tumbled forward. We tumble forward more and more and without stop simply because we have been tumbling forward without stopping. It's that simple. So to pause is to cut that stream and to just for a moment launch into the unknowing, unknowable, non-tumbling. That's the pause. The actual, if it, it would be very helpful if you can embody the pause, feel something that will touch you down into the body mind in the here and now, help to arrest the mental stream of tumbling, and then ask yourself and be open to your meditation partner as he or she asks herself, is there in this moment the clarity of the nature of impermanence, of the nature of the ongoing fabrication of me, even me in this beautiful dialogue, 
see if you can touch the empty space in relation to what is pulled together and fabricated as it's like this right now. Place yourself, if you will, at the wisdom of emptiness and be absolutely content when you see the ignorance. When you see, no, I completely believe I'm here. I'm just sitting in front of a computer, having this dialogue feels totally like me, feels totally like my life. Nothing's changed, but I'll do this dialogue anyway. Be absolutely content to see that. And then just inquire, is this avijja? Is this ignorance? Okay? Is this ignorance? Is this non-ignorance, vijja? Is this knowing? And that's your pause. So with this avijja, this ignorance, um, one way that I, one way that I think of it or translate it for myself is uh, a blindness. Uh, sometimes the word it's a lot of syllables, but it's a good word. Opacity. Something is opaque. You can't see through it. So when you're in it, it's everything. You cannot see through it. And so this pause is like, can I somehow get around the rock? Can I somehow find another perspective? And this is not abstract. This is when you're upset with someone, when you feel wronged, when you're confused, when you're trying to think through a difficult decision. When you're saying, should we go this way or that way? And the forward push, the tumbling forward, the tumbling downstream of all of that water that's gathered, as the Buddha would say in some of his discourses, you know, when it rains mightily on the hilltop and the water gathers in pools and enters into a stream and goes downhill. And each moment of experience that comes from comes out of this blindness is, is going to further condition and feed the whole process of fabricating a world, of constructing a sense of who I am. It's all going to reflect all prior contacts all prior constructions. The water doesn't magically appear right at the stage of the stream we're at. It's conditioned. So this first link, not the first, not the first link, but the first uh, connection between the two links. And that's what it's really about is these connections, this flow, this 
kind of both vertical and horizontal flow of these qualities that make up dependent origination. That's where the action is. So, avijja pachaya sankara. Depending upon this ignorance, arise constructing activities. Arises the tendency to construct. Arises the momentum of fabrication. The momentum of making something up based on all prior contacts, on all prior notions, based on every word we've spoken, every volitional thought that we've had, every relational contact we've had, conditions the next moment. So where's the freedom? Avijja, pachaya, sankara. Depending upon ignorance, these constructing activities tumble forward. Reflecting all prior conditioning, conditioned activities. Karma, past, future, it all comes to birth right here. When there's ignorance, we are going to be looking at the rest of this stream over the next few weeks. But it begins with this, when we are lost in this blindness, when we are coming from this blindness, then the experience of this moment as we sit here, as we talk, as we make decisions, as we get upset, as we want things, as we feel wronged, as we feel self-righteous, as we feel confused, even as we feel love and joy and generosity, it's conditioned by all these prior moments. So every moment of love conditions a moment of love, yeah? Every, every, every act, every practice, every reflection taken to cultivate a heart of compassion is a volitional act that conditions the next moment towards that compassion. Every act, every mindset, every set of neural networks, however you would like to think about it, every karmic imprint of, let's say, self-obsession, of placing ourselves first and at the center of the world is going to condition the next moments of self-obsession. All the smallness of self-obsession, all the pain of self-obsession. Coming up out of ignorance. Avijja, pachaya, sankara. Depending upon this blindness, this will happen.
Let me see. Whoa, give me a pause. Please give me a pause. So we join together in practice, reminding each other to pause. And each pause is like Manjushri's sword cutting through at the very root, the blindness, that we might enter a moment of complete insecurity, complete unknowing, that might be this link to a possible next moment of non-imprisonment. So reflect for a moment, if you will, as you sit here now. Something like, to what extent do I feel this very instant, while I'm listening to Greg speak, while I'm sitting here with this computer and all this stuff, this instant as it actually is with this body, with these background thoughts that you're thinking but not expressing because I'm doing all the talking, the actual tone of this moment, to what extent do I recognize that this experience of what I'm calling reality reflects the prior flow of my entire life. To what extent am I at the tip of the unfolding of this conditioning? There's other ways we could ask that. To what extent do I feel like me? To what extent am I the result of my family history? To what extent have I gathered together and act from experience? accumulated opinions. To what extent right now am I riding at the front edge of the river of my emotions, all conditioned by prior emotions, right? Right now. which brings us to the next link. So as you see what you're seeing with the eyes, there's consciousness or shall we say uh, the cognitive experience or the 
experience of seeing is happening for those of us who can see, which I think is all of us. To the extent that you're hearing these words and hearing arises, there's consciousness associated with hearing, yeah? Do you feel your body? Consciousness associated with the body, the body door. Do you experience that? And I'm just pointing to mindfulness of body consciousness, mindfulness of seeing consciousness. That's all I'm doing. But check it out. It's not just words. Consciousness of mind, the mind door. Take a look at your mind. You're mindful of the mind, the activities of the mind, the mood of the mind, the contents of thought. There's consciousness of that. Just as there's seeing, hearing, tasting, touching, smelling. And it's like, okay, here we are. Consciousness. Is this moment of consciousness conditioned by all prior moments? Is what you're seeing and how you're seeing it conditioned by all prior moments? Wow. I think that calls for dialogue. Once again, specifically, specifically, please support yourself with pause so that you can stop just for a moment, just long enough, let yourself launch into the emptiness, the insecurity at the other side of pause where you don't know what's coming next. And check it out. Is consciousness arising right now dependent upon all these prior constructions? Sankara, Pachaya, Vinyana. Dependent upon these fabricating processes, moment by moment, consciousness arises. Check it out for yourself. Any contact with... The sense of being conscious of the world in this moment, being a conditioned experience. So let's take ourselves, come with me on a journey to a meta programs meeting. You know, here we are trying to actually do something. We're actually trying to make decisions and we're trying to guide an organization rooted in wisdom and love. And lo and behold, 
avicca pachaya sankara sankara pachaya vinyana each moment of consciousness is conditioned by the totality of the volitional actions of this life every emotion every wrong speech every right speech every moment of sympathetic joy and beauty every moment of self-obsession. And here we are, you know, let's say uh, there's four of us in a meeting. I mean, how complicated do you want to get? You know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, we've got 55 years of history here and 70 years of history here and 40 years of history here and 68 years of history here and 43 years of history here. Let's all get in the same room and try to do something together. So, so here we are attempting to serve others with love and attempting to hold the core of the practice in its kernel of understanding, not the kernel, if you will, of ignorance, not the motivating force, not the tonality of blindness. And yet, welcome to being born. This is what we get. Really allow yourself to feel that with compassion, with honesty. The tenderness of this human experience. The incredible, good, wholesome motivation that brings us to work right through that and to come together again and again in, in wholesome intentions. Something is motivating us. Otherwise, you know, let's just all go to Aruba. Something brings us back to the seat. Back to where we confront together as a community, confronting our humanness, confronting our ignorance, confronting what we don't do so well. One of my favorite utter distortions of a famous teaching, you know, Jesus says, wherever two or more are gathered, there am I among them. Gregory says, wherever two or more are gathered, it gets complicated. And Jesus may still be among us, I don't know, but it's complicated, that much I know. And we do it. Why? What is going on here? What is the social nature, the relational nature of the urge of this body-mind to come together in search of the opportunity to give. 
in search of whatever clearness we might touch together. Because in a moment that I am ignorant, oh, please, please, maybe you're not. Maybe we both are, but something, you know, might wake us up. In the absence of the momentum of those fabricating tendencies, consciousness arising built on those fabrications isn't going to come up. That's the freedom. In the absence of ignorance, the fabricating tendencies, the fabricating momentum is cut. Do we bring that out in each other? Do we remember that kernel? The kernel of letting go. The kernel of shedding, not accumulating. The kernel of being unburdensome, not burdensome. Do you think you could do this alone? Do you think you'll see your ignorance all by yourself, sitting on a just walking in the forest, having a nice time? I don't know about you, but when I enter into the challenges associated with what we're trying to do together, uh, there's hardly anything that's more uh, evocative of the conditioned tendencies of that momentum. At least when it's, let's say, my son or my wife, you know, I've got a lifetime history of doing nothing but caring for them and them doing nothing but caring for me. So the the deck is sort of stacked towards the metta, karuna, the loving kindness tendency, fabricating tendency towards that kind of constructed intimacy. And I'm on pretty good ground. But here I am trying to do something in the world with you. How do I remember? What is that kernel? What can I touch? That will function as a pole star. for my speech, my attitudes? Can I remember my own conditioned nature? Can I recognize yours and meet you with compassion? Can I know the suffering that we share in this Sankara Dukkha, this suffering based on constructions? 
there's the suffering of just pain, right? Dukkha, dukkha. There's the anicca dukkha, the suffering based on impermanence, that complete instability at the core of things that we cannot tolerate. But this is the sankara dukkha, the suffering based on the whole constructing process, being lost in it, the ignorance that's therein, and then the inevitable, inevitable, friends, confusions between us, sometimes conflict when we kind of lose it a little bit, notions and views, desires, give me this, give me this, stay away, stay away. And the blame, it's your fault. You're ignorant. I'm glad I'm not. Oh, that's a relief. Just more constructing processes. Or when we can touch that pause, where the pause is infused with this wisdom, in this case of dependent origination, just a flick of it. Something can shift. So there's an importing, you might say, an invoking of the Dhamma. And invoking the Dhamma is happening in a relational moment. We are together, you might say, not to accomplish some program. We are together to invoke the Dhamma. We are together to invoke the love. And when we make decisions, you know, we can ask ourselves, does this invoke the Dhamma? Does this invoke compassion? And we have a a reference point. We can touch in and maybe find out. Avijja Pachaya Sankara, dependent upon ignorance, arise these formations, these constructing activities and tendencies. Sankara pachaya vinyana. Consciousness arises in each moment depending upon that momentum of fabricating and all the conditioning therein. And in the absence of vijja, the stream is cut. We don't have to make such a big deal about it and talk only about some kind of ultimate freedom. Each pause is a moment of freedom. And if we relax, we stabilize the pause. Pause, relax. Relax stabilizes the body-mind in wisdom because it's the tension we can't tolerate. We cannot tolerate it. The self goes like wacky.
and open stabilizes it to our between, to our, our relationships, to our community. <laughs>